Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Open your Bibles, if you would, to the Gospel of John this morning. Gospel of John chapter number one. We began a series last week, and uh, we, we gave it this title, Christmas Unwrapped, or Unwrapping Christmas. And we haven't gotten too far. We just, last week was pretty much it. And what we did last week in, uh, in the message, uh, as we began the series, as we began to unwrap Christmas, we began to, to, to look at, talk a little bit about the cast of characters in the Christmas story. You remember that? Were you here last week? How many were here last week? Wave at me. I'm not sure. I hope you remember the message. We, uh, of course, we, we took a notice of just some of the cast. You know, you go from, of course, Mary, you know, to the Magi, and, uh, and then we, you know, you talk about the angels, and they had a, they had a prominent uh, role in the Christmas story, the angels, right? They were constantly making announcements and advising people as to what was going on. And, uh, and then, of course, the shepherds, you know, the shepherds out in the field. But what we did last week, uh, if you recall, is we focused our attention on Joseph, right? Joseph. Someone said, well, what about Jesus? Well, Jesus is the star of the show. He's not cast. I mean, they're, they're supporting characters. You know, everything revolves around Jesus. But we looked at Joseph, and in chapter 1, Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 1, as you re- begin to read the story, and we're introduced to Jesus, the Bible, uh, the Lord, kind of uh, labels Joseph as a just man. Amen. Do you, do you remember, remember that last week? Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, talks about Joseph. He's uh, engaged to Mary. They're not married yet. And the Bible calls him a just man. And here's what we did. We kind of looked at that term as to what that meant. That doesn't mean he's a perfect man, right? How many of you ladies are married to perfect men? Go ahead and, yeah, amen. Invitation will be just in a couple minutes. You can come and get that, you can get that right. There, there's, no, there's no one perfect. We understand that. And that's, that's not what the Bible indicates when it talks about Joseph being a just man. What it means basically is this. He was a man, by the way, at this point in time in his life, he's a young man. He's a young man who had a desire in his heart to do the right thing. That speaks volumes, doesn't it? He, he was a young man who had a desire to do the right thing. I wonder how many of us, no matter what our age may be, has a genuine desire in our heart to do the right thing. We may not always do the right thing, say amen right there, but it is our desire. And maybe when we find out that we've not done the right thing, we're quick to try to remedy the situation, either with an apology or with a better action that would, you know, kind of uh, redirect our course of action, you know, right? And so J- Joseph's a just man. He's a young man who's trying to do the right thing. And when you read the story, like we did last week, you know, he did the right thing, didn't he? I mean, I found it to be honorable that he comes to find out his fiance is with child. And here's one thing Joseph knew. He didn't know a whole lot, but he knew this. It wasn't his, Right? He knew that. It wasn't his. 
And I think this, I think a lot of young men, if I were in Joseph's shoes, you know, before the angel appeared to me, you know, I, my thoughts would be, Man, I can't believe she did this to me. I'd be extremely disappointed. And I don't know if I would take the same course of action that Joseph took. Joseph, before the angel appeared to him, decided, because he loved her so much, he decided that he was just going to break up the engagement privately and not make a big deal about this. Are you with me? And so he did the right thing as we began to look at this series, Christmas Unwrapped. I want to take it in a different direction this morning, and I want us this morning to kind of look at the words of Christmas. Last time we looked at the cast of Christmas. Today I want us to look at what we're going to call the words of Christmas. Christmas Unwrapped, the words of Christmas. Look in John chapter number 1, and verse number 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word. Do you see anything special about that word, the word? It's capitalized. Usually don't capitalize a word when it's in the middle of a sentence. Isn't that right? You don't need to, you don't need to know all the grammatical rules to know that you usually don't capitalize a word when it's in the middle of a sentence unless... I like the word, who said proper? There you go. Unless it's proper. It's proper. And this is very proper. You know why that is? Let's read on. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Do you see, does your Bible say that? If your Bible doesn't say that, may I suggest you get you a good Bible? Huh? The Word was God, and then it says in verse number two, the same, the same was in the beginning with God. So, to make it real clear, right? The Lord gives us more clarity, more interpretation in verse 14. It says, and the Word, throw it up on the screen just in case someone doesn't have Bible, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And we would say that's a reference to who? Who? Jesus. Jesus. So we can say, in the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. Did I mess you up by saying that in verse number one? Do you think I changed the meaning of the Bible when I put the name of Jesus instead of the word? Word? Huh? Couldn't we read, in the beginning was Jesus, and, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God? Right? Because it says in verse number 14, that word, that same word in verse number one, became flesh in verse 14. And so, who's he speaking about there? He's speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, the words of Christmas. And I'm sure you're aware of this. I'm sure you're aware of the concept of word association, right? Do you ever, do you ever, do you ever play word association games? Now, I don't trust you too much. But I, I would think that if I were to say, if we were to do a little word association, if I were, if I were to say white, you might respond black. If I were to say up, you might respond. If I were to say in, you might respond. Well, you're pretty good. I'm surprised. I thought maybe you'd throw something at me. I thought maybe Barry would try to trip me up a little bit there. But that's word association. Well, think about Christmas. If I were to say, if I were to say Christmas to you, what's the first word that jumps out? Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. I think we might say this, Christmas Jesus, Christmas joy, 
Christmas celebration. And we can go on and on and on, right? However, theologically, that's a big word. Say it with me, theologically. Don't you feel important when you say it like that? Theologically, doctrinally, biblically, there are some words, Bible words, that are, asso- that are associated with Christmas. And here's what those words do. Those words give us the deeper meaning. You see, Christmas is not just a winter celebration. Huh? It, it's, not, it's not just a time for decorating. And I, I think this is beautiful. I love decoration. Not just a time for decorating or gift giving. It's not just a time for time off work and time spent with family. No, according to the Bible, Christmas, the Christmas that we celebrate as Christians, has a deeper meaning. And there are, there are some words, there are some theological words, biblical words, doctrinal words that share with us the meaning, the true meaning of Christmas. And I think this, I think once we gain an understanding, it changes everything. So I want to share with you this morning what I'm going to call the words of Christmas, and there's just, there's just a few of them uh, that I, I, I want to share with you. The first, one, the first one is this, it's the word incarnation. You've heard about that word before, right? You've heard that word kind of tossed around a little bit, incarnation. Say it with me, incarnation. Look at the screen and look at that Bible verse, Hebrews chapter number 7, verse number 26. Look at this Bible verse. For such a high priest, look at these next two words. Say it with me. Became us. For such a high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, this is key, separate from sinners. He became us, but he was separate from sin and made higher than the heavens. You see that Bible verse? That is a Bible verse that we would take and apply to the doctrinal word incarnation. What does incarnation really mean? It means simply this. It means that God in history came to earth and put on flesh. Huh? We read this last week in, 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 the, in the account of Matthew. Matthew and Luke give us, you know, the Christmas story. And they're a little different in detail right? And in Matthew's account, I like this, two things kind of pop out. And someone says, that's a contradiction, but it's not. In one verse, in Matthew chapter number one, verse 18, you can read it for yourself, the angel appears to, in verse 19, the angel appears to Joseph, and he says this, he says, you know, the child that is in Mary's womb is from the Holy Ghost. That's how it got there. You know, your fiance, your fiance is still a virgin, And and that child, when that child was born, here's what you're going to do. You're going to name that child Jesus. You're going to name that child Jesus. Well, down just a little bit, it goes on and talks about in verse 23, and behold, a virgin shall conceive, bear a child, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel, right? Which is God with us. God with us. And so when we talk about Christmas and the words of Christmas, One of the things that we must understand as Christians, we must understand what it is we're celebrating. And what we're celebrating is this, we're celebrating a time when God himself became a man. 
I want you to notice this. Notice this. Jesus didn't just show up on the scene. Huh? He didn't just, at the age of 30 years old, come out of the wilderness. John the Baptist was baptizing and all of it. You remember the story? And here comes Jesus. John is saying, you know, Jesus says that John baptized me. John says, man, baptize you. You should be. I'm not even worthy to, you know, unlax your shoe. And you want me to baptize you? But he did, and that began his public ministry, right? Holy Spirit of God descends upon Jesus in the form of a dove. and It's a wonderful story, you know? However, that, wasn't the, that was not the first appearance of Jesus. You know why that is? I'll tell you why that is. Because Jesus was born into this world just like you and I are born into this world. He was incarnated. He didn't just appear. No, there was a time in history where Jesus Christ the second person of the Godhead, took on flesh. And I like what it says in, in Mark chapter number 6. In Mark chapter number 6, G, pay attention here, Jesus is called the Son of Mary. The Son of Mary. But he was much more than just the Son of Mary because at the same time, Jesus Christ being born as the Son of Mary was also the Son of God. John chapter number 3. Uh, do I have that on the screen for, for everybody? John chapter number 3. Did I, did I give it to you? I didn't. Are you awake? There you go. Look at this. He that believeth on him, and we're going to come back to this at the end of the message. He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth, uh, excuse me, is, is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. Why? Because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of Mary, Son of God. Are you with me? I want you to understand this. This is going to, this is going to, I'm, I'm, every, every word is going to connect. So I'm laying the foundation here, right? Pay attention here. When we talk about Christmas as Christians, biblically, what we're speaking about is a time when God Himself, the second person of the Godhead, came to earth and put on flesh. <laughs> he became a man. Right? He was born just like every other child is born. He becomes the son of Mary, but at the same time, he's the son of God. And not to get too deep with this, but in theological circles, in doctrinal studies, what we come to find out is Jesus Christ had a dual nature. A dual nature. He was 100% God and 100% man at the same time. At the same time. That means this. Are you paying attention? That means that when that little child was born, he was already God. He, look here. He wasn't always, he wasn't always a human. There was a teaching years ago that somebody tried to pawn off that, that they, they tried to teach about the eternal humanity of Christ. There's no such thing as the eternal humanity of Christ. Think about that. If, if Christ was always a human, then there'd be no Christmas. No, there was a time in history, it's recorded, a time in history where Jesus Christ, God's Son, the second person of the Godhead, and by the way, our God is a trinity, right? Not three gods, three persons, one God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, co-equal and co-eternal. But one time in history, God the Son... The second person of the Godhead became a man. Isn't that amazing? Now look up here for one, just one second. 
I don't understand it. But I believe it. I don't have to understand it to believe it. There's a lot of things I don't understand. Huh? I don't understand the Trinity. Three persons, one God. I don't get it. Right? You know how we try to explain that, right? With crude illustration. We say this. Well, you know, here's how you understand the Trinity. You take an egg, and an egg has three parts to it, but it's one egg. There's the shell, there's the yolk, and then there's the white. You know what that explains to me? An egg. Take a triangle. Three equal parts, right, Tony? Triangle. You know what that explains to me? A triangle. I don't understand the Trinity, but I trust it. I believe it. The Bible says it. For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. I believe that. And I'm so glad that God chose to send His only begotten Son into this world on purpose. My question is this. I don't, I don't have a hard time believing that because I just believe the Bible. My question is, why in the world would He want to become us? <laughs> I don't even want to be us. Why would He want to become us? Think about that for a second. Go back to that verse, if you would, guys. You guys stay with me this morning. Go back, previous verse. Look, look at it again. For such a high priest became us. He became one of us. Speaking about Jesus in that passage, why? Why in the world would God want to become a human? The reason for that is found in the next couple of verses, and I'm already there, but listen to this. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 27. Listen to what uh, the Bible says in verse 27. For who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice first for his own sins? So, why would God sent His only begotten Son, Jesus, to become a man. And as the Bible declares here, Him a, a high priest. Do you know what a high priest used to do in Old Testament times? Pay attention. Are you with me? A high priest was the individual who would go in to this compartment called the Holy of Holies once a year, and he would there make up. He would make a, 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 a. He wouldn't personally make it, but he would apply blood from an innocent animal on the altar where they would make an atonement for sin. But you know what that priest had to do before he would go in and represent you or I? He'd have to make sure he got himself right. Uh, he'd have to confess his sin. He'd have to apply the blood. By the way, he'd have to apply the blood to himself. Are you familiar with the Old Testament sacrifice? Uh, and you know what happened, Dom? Now, before that high priest would go into the Holy of Holies, you know what they would do? They would tie a rope around his ankle and bells around his robe, because if he would go in being in sin, he would be smitten dead. And so if the people on the outside of the Holy of Holies didn't hear him walking around and the bells kind of ringing, you know what they would do? They'd tug on the rope and they'd pull him out. And then they send in another high priest to make a payment for sin. Why in the world would God become us to become a high priest who would be holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sin, and made higher than the heavens. Amen. And here's what it says in verse 27. I'll continue to read. To offer up sacrifice first for, excuse me, let me read the whole verse. Who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this did he did once when he offered up himself. Look here. This did he once when he offered up himself. 
So why in the world would God, God, become us? Why would he come into this world, be born as a human? The Bible says to offer up himself as a sacrifice. And that leads me to the second word of Christmas, the words of Christmas. The first word, say with me, incarnation. The second word is advent. Did you ever hear that word advent before? Advent. Advent. Let me, let me just give you a simple definition for the word advent. Basically, it speaks about an arrival. An arrival. Right? It, it has a, a origin of being a Latin word that means come or coming. When you place it in the realm of, of Christmas, it talks about, pay attention right here, it talks about the coming of Christ. Huh? He has arrived. Hello? Jesus Christ has arrived. And, and, and you know, when you look at the scriptures, the Old Testament prophets predicted the coming of Messiah and Jesus. In fact, Isaiah said this in chapter 7, verse number 14, the book of Isaiah. Isaiah said, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means God is with us. You know what he later said? It's not on the screen, but he later said this in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse number 6. Listen to the word of God. Isaiah is speaking. He said, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now, I'm not sure if you saw this or not, but in the very beginning, Isaiah said, unto us, listen now, unto us a, son, a child is born, unto us a son is given. Remember, this is the Word of God. This is a man of God. This is a prophet of God. And he's sharing prophecy about the future. And he's speaking about the suffering servant, Jesus. And he says, first and foremost, a child is born. And then follows it right up without hesitation. A son is given. You know what he's saying there? A child is born speaks about his humanity. A son given speaks about his deity. And when you bring them both together, you have the advent of the incarnation of Christ. Amen. You'll appreciate this maybe four or five years from now when it really dawns in you what I'm saying. This is, this is great doctrinal truth that sums up our belief about Christmas. Christmas. Huh? Jesus Christ, God's only begotten Son, becomes a human being. And the Bible tells us, and I'm going to maybe preach this maybe next week. I'm still talking about, thinking about, praying about my next week's message. But it might be the timing of Christmas. And there's terminology in the book of Galatians where it says this, and I love this. I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. Galatians chapter 4 says, in the fullness of time, the timing of Christmas, huh? in the fullness of time. You know, did you ever hear this before? God has perfect timing. Amen. Seldom early, but never late. Huh? I mean, God's always on time. And the Bible says, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, made of a virgin, made under the law. To redeem them. You read that before, right? Galatians chapter number four. You know what that means, Channing? You know what that means? Huh? Just at the right time. In the fullness of time. Just at the right time. When was the advent of Christ? Just at the right time. Everything was just in place for God to send forth his only begotten son. 
Jesus. Now, let me walk this back just for a second to the question that I raised earlier as to why Jesus became us. So why, why did he put on flesh? Why was he born into this world? In the announcement of the angel to Joseph, which we studied last week, the angel said this to Joseph. He said, when that child is born, I want you to give him this name. I want you to give him the name Jesus. Jesus. And then it followed up. Remember the story? It followed up and said this, for he shall save his people from their sin. See that? Matthew 121. So to go back to that question, why would Jesus become us? The Bible says in the very beginning, when he was announced at his coming and given the name Jesus, he was also shared the purpose. And the purpose is to come to seek and to save that which was lost. Are, 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 you, are you with me? And so when you begin to look at the words of Christmas, you begin to see the real true purpose and meaning as to what it's all about. Incarnation. God decides to take on flesh. He becomes us, yet separate from sin. For what reason? To become a sacrifice for our sin. He left heaven, came to earth, to become a sacrifice for our sin. Which leads me to the third word. This is my favorite word right here. It's the word epiphany. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever hear the word epiphany before? Say it with me, epiphany. Epiphany. Look at the Bible there. Luke chapter number 1, verse 46 and 7. Mary said, my soul does magnify the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. Do you know when she said that? Any idea when she said that? That's Luke chapter number one. Now, let me, let me take it back just a little bit. Are you with me? I'm going to bring it around third. I want you to get this. All of a sudden, Mary's with child. She's a young lady. I'm not really sure how young she was, how old she was. But if you, if you were to take everything that others have kind of predicted, she's probably between 18 and 20 years old. A good girl. I mean to tell you, her and Joseph tried to do the right thing. They were dating, they were courting, they were engaged, and yet they were pure. There was no intimacy. When all of a sudden, are you listening real good? When all of a sudden, she finds herself with child. And in Luke chapter number one, she's at her cousin's house. You know who her cousin was? Yeah, her and her husband, Zach. Zach and Lizzie. Uh, she's over there, and I mean to tell you, she's uh, and, and Elizabeth makes this announcement, and she tells Mary what's going on. And after Mary hears that, she says, my soul does magnify the Lord, and my spirit has, look at those words, has rejoiced in God my Savior. Huh? See, Jesus, look here, the world needed a Savior, and the only Savior there would be is Jesus. Amen. And Mary came to understand that. And you know what she had right there? Right there, Brian, you know what she had? She had an epiphany. You know what epiphany, the best way I can explain an epiphany to you is it's an aha moment. 
Did you ever have an aha moment? Huh? You're looking at me like you have no idea as to what I'm speaking about. An epiphany, an aha moment, is when you finally come to a good understanding, a complete, full understanding of someone or something. Huh? Here's Mary, who is just a kid, 18, 20 year old. Now, if you're 18 or 20, I know you think you've arrived. Huh? But you're going to get older and realize you were just a kid. And she's just a kid. Joseph's just a kid. When all of a sudden, like, they're placed into this situation where now she's with child. He knows it's not his. She has no idea how it got there because she's pure. <laughs> An angel shows up and makes the announcement to Joseph, and, and Elizabeth makes the announcement or gives the, the word to Mary, and they both had an epiphany. They both had an understanding. They both had an aha moment. Oh, now we see what's going on. Mary says in her aha moment, my spirit has rejoiced. In who? God, my Savior. Who's she speaking about? Man, I tell you, she's speaking about Jesus. Why? Because she knew that now she had God in her womb. And the child that she would give birth to was going to be her Savior. What a moment. What an epiphany. There's many epiphanies in the Bible. The one that amazes me every time I read it, I love it, is in the book of Acts chapter number 9. His name in Acts chapter number 9 is Saul, but we know him better as Paul. Huh? And in Acts chapter number 9, guess what Paul has? Paul has an epiphany. Paul has one of those aha moments. Why? I'll tell you why. Because Paul is just minding, well, really not minding his own business. He was on a tear of destruction. In Acts chapter number 9, he's, he's on his way mm, to the authorities of the day, have a little powwow with them, because he was their boy. You know, you know what, what Paul was doing before he became Paul the Apostle? He was Saul trying to rid the world of Christianity. And now he's on this road to Damascus where he's going to meet with the authorities when all of a sudden he has a confrontation with a bright light. Did you ever read it? Huh? <laughs> and, and, and all of a sudden, the page attention right here, he stops in his tracks and that bright light begin, begins to speak to him. Hello? And it's not because Paul had a little bit too much matzo ball soup or... No, I mean to tell you, he has a confrontation with the Lord, and this Lord, the, the light begins to speak to him and says to him, Saul, Saul. And you know what, you know what, you know what Paul says? You know what Saul says? Here's what he says, who art thou, Lord? And that light said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. You know the very next words of Paul? Here's what he said, and I know, I know your Bible doesn't say it, but Paul said, aha! <laughs> it's in my Bible. I got one of those read-between-line Bibles. Aha! Really what he said is, and what wilt thou have me to do? That speaks volumes. 
Huh? Look here, not, not everybody's salvation, conversion experience goes like this. Dear Jesus, come into my heart and save me. For Paul, who art thou, Lord? I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. The next thing, what will you have me to do? You know what that is? I surrender all. I understand now. I get it now. What an experience. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. I, I, remember, I remember when I got it. I remember when it finally sunk in. Can I give you just a brief, do you mind? Say no, I don't mind because I'm going to tell you anyway. <laughs> when I was born into this world, I was born to Dominic and Joanne. My father's name was Dom, my mother's name was Joanne. And not orthodox, but by birth, they were Catholics. Their parents were Catholics, whose parents were Catholics, whose parents were Catholics, whose parents were Catholics. And my parents were just born into being Catholics. And so when we were born, I have a brother and a sister, three of us, we were Catholics. Uh, my parents sent me to Catholic parochial, parochial school, grade school from first grade through eighth, and then high school from ninth through twelfth. I graduated from West Catholic High School for Boys. Does that ring a bell, anybody from Philadelphia? There used to be a West Catholic High School for Girls because Catholics didn't trust boys and girls being together. Uh, my wife, Donna, went to West Catholic High School for Girls. I went to West Catholic High School for Boys. I was at 49th and Chestnut. She was at 46th and Chestnut. We never saw each other, ever, never, ever. The Catholics made sure of that. Because <laughs> they knew if I see her, she saw me, we'd fall in love and get married, become good Baptists. <laughs> they knew that. And so they tried to keep us together for as long as they could. You know, but then she heard about me and asked me to go out with her and then proposed to me. And it was just, it was just one of those things. And so all those years, all those years, all those years, I heard about Jesus, heard about God, heard about the Holy Spirit. I made my first Holy Communion, confirmation. I went through the whole week. I was an altar boy. My favorite part was ringing the bells. I used to love to ring those bells. I had no idea what I was doing, but I used to love the ring. And when that priest gave me the nod, I rang them bells, man. Hmm? I mean, the whole deal. And then, and then when I was about 19 years, well, when I was 16 years old, my mom got saved. My brother got saved. My sister got saved. My aunt got saved. My uncle got saved. My grandmother got saved. People started getting saved, and they started witnessing to me, started sharing the gospel with me. I was 16, 17 years old. I, I, I wasn't, I, I, I wasn't. But they kept on witnessing and witnessing and witnessing. Found out they put my name on a prayer list in a church just like this, and those people were praying for me. I didn't know this until after I got saved. If I had known that prior, I said, take my name off that list. Don't have them people praying for me. I don't need their prayers. They're praying for me. And to cut the story short, one afternoon, in fact, it was about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, month of November, the year was 1979, my aunt, who I love dearly, who is a pastor's wife, called on the telephone, and we were very close. She witnessed to me a hundred times. Every time I saw her, she witnessed to me. And I would give her the opportunity because I loved her dearly. And this one day, Donald, she called me on the phone. We got to talking. What are you doing? What are you up to? Whatever. And she's, here's what she said to me. I promise you, it's exactly what she said to me. Are you ready yet? And here's what I said to her. Again? Again? 
And she said, you know, I love you. I said, go ahead. And on the phone that day, she shared the gospel with me. And it was really, I don't recall, it was a long time ago, but it was the same story. You can't change the gospel. You can't make it more appealing. You can't make it more, it is what it is. It's the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. But that day, Dom, that day, for some reason, I heard myself say in deep down inside, aha, I had an epiphany. It clicked. And you know what I said to her, Aaron? I'm ready. She said, huh? I said, I'm ready. What do I need to do? And she said, are you serious? I said, you know I am because I've told you a hundred times before, leave me alone. But what happened? It clicked. I got the understanding that Jesus Christ, God's only begotten son, came into this world, died on that cross, was buried, rose again. For me, it was my sin that nailed him to that cross. <laughs> I had an aha moment. I had an epiphany. And guess what happened? Lee, I bowed my head and accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior and immediately became an independent, fundamental, Bible-believing, Bible-preaching Baptist preacher. <laughs> so if you get saved today, this is what you're going to become. No, I got saved that day, and I became a child of God. I became a child of God. If you were to ask me that night, hey, Sal, if you die today, are you sure you're going to go to heaven? I'd say, well, I, I, I'm hoping. I mean, I put my faith in Christ, but because I'll be honest with you, look up here. There were many nights lying in bed where I would say, boy, did I royally mess up today. Lord, if I'm not saved, would you save me now? You don't have to admit you ever did that because I know it's hard for you to admit certain things. But I used to do that. Until the one night I, I kind of said to myself, what are you doing? You either trust him or you don't. You get saved once and for all. Huh? And I got it. Woo! I had my aha moment. So let me wrap this up. Let me ask you this. Have you had, have you had an epiphany about Jesus? Do you have an understanding of who Jesus is and why Jesus came into this world? Huh? Do you understand the true meaning of Christmas? Have you had your aha moment yet? They're all important questions. I said a couple weeks back, we started talking a little about Christmas the last Sunday of November, and I talked about making Christmas preparations so that we don't just get lost in the holiday. Help me here, right? Because you can, right? We need more lights. That light went out. What bulb is this? What are we going to get that one? Oh, no, this store don't have that. What are we going to have for dinner? Who's coming over? What's this? What? And by the time Christmas is over, you go, man, alive. That was a lot of work, and you lost the whole. And I'm not saying you're not going to put up lights and have meals and have friends and buy gifts and all that. It's a part of it, but don't, please don't lose the meaning of Christmas. Look here. When you take the words incarnation, advent, and epiphany, and you put them all together. By the way, look here. I, I didn't read this in some book someplace. I prayed and God the Holy Spirit put those words together for me. And that means this, there's some real, 
definite meaning for this church today. To come to understand the fact that there was a time in history when God the Father loved this world so much that He sent His only begotten Son, God the Son, to become a human being. Why? So that He would become a perfect sacrifice for sin, my sin, your sin, our sin, the sin of the world, so that we can have eternal life. Are you with me? Listen carefully. Once you come to understand the true meaning of Advent, Christmas, you can be saved. Just because you, look, look here, just because you understand the meaning of Advent doesn't mean you're saved. Oh, now you know why he came. Now you know how he came. Now you, <laughs> but until you put your faith and trust in the message of salvation, you're not saved. Are you still in John chapter number one? Let's close in John chapter number three. And look at verse number 16. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, let's not stop there. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believes on him is not condemned, but he that believes not or believeth not is condemned already because he has not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. You know what that means? It means this. We are born into this world with a stamp condemned. Why? Because we're born sinners, and sin condemns us. God doesn't condemn us. Sin condemns us. When you trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, that stamp has been removed, and now your stamp justified. Justified. You know, you know, you know, best definition of justified? God looks at me just as if I'd never sinned. Justified. Why? Because he looks at me through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's Christmas. <laughs> That's the true meaning of Christmas. The son of Mary is the son of God. He's the message of Christmas. He's the message of salvation. And I would hope today you understand that, that truth and have placed your faith and your trust and your total dependence in that message. Because if you have, you have salvation. And no matter how bad, how dark, how difficult it gets down here, we're gone home one day. Yes. Amen? Yes, indeed. I trust today the words of Christmas have been a blessing to you. Unwrapping Christmas. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.